Today is the day to wake, work, and win. Welcome to The Standard. A few years back, we had the colony's chief on, and Chief Scott Thompson. Chief Thompson is obviously a well-respected chief within the fire service. And Garrett, as you would say, the, the apple does not fall far from the tree because we respect Chief Thompson a great deal and how he goes about doing things. And Garrett, you're one of those people as well. Like we see the way you're doing things as a battalion chief within that organization. And then, you know, as your time instructing hands-on classes, we've witnessed that as well too. So we're we're really excited to have you on the show and and talk about your journey in the fire service and how you lead. Thanks, Tom. I appreciate you having me on. Let's start with the colony. Let's talk about the culture that the colony has because anybody who follows – you know, social media or follows the fire service or the leadership within the fire service in general knows about the colony and knows the culture that you guys have there. You know, it's known for letting firefighters be firefighters and it's not the highest paid department, but your retention there is second to none. You know, you don't have a revolving door and you have people that want to be there and don't really care about by and large, don't really care about how much money they're making. They're doing it for the love of the job. Can you talk about that culture at the colony and what it's like to be part of that compared to some other places you may have worked? It is. It's very unique. You know, I I wasn't brought up in the colony, but it's interesting. The organization that it was prior to Chief Thompson was very similar to any North Texas, you know, fire department. I mean, they were, you know, they were getting it done, but it it, it just didn't have that spark and it and it you know it, it didn't have kind of where we're currently sitting you know that that large in part is driven by a vision and that's been you know that's why i left an organization and, and went over there for that opportunity which in, in our business is rare you don't normally leave an organization as a captain and, and promote you know through a move and it wasn't something that i had ever set out to do i just i guess i kind of left myself open to that but it is very, very unique. You know, a lot of the, the folks that were, you know, early on in, in our department's kind of upbringing and foundation, you know, are still there. Those are the guys that I kind of, I like to hear from and talk to just because they've seen it both ways. And, that you know, they're the ones that can kind of tell you what it was like and then, and then where we're at. And I think they have a true appreciation for how far we've come. I think a lot of the guys that come in, now, you know, they're excited to be there, but all they know is what they know from, you know, social media or, or what's been talked about. But it, it was a lot of hard work. And most of it really was done prior to me getting there. I think, you know, Chief hiring me was probably, I won't say the icing on the cake, but it was his last final piece that he felt like he needed in the leadership to kind of take it to where it needed to go. But it is, it's really, really unique. We've got great men and women you know, that work across four firehouses. We're building Firehouse 5 starting this year. And we'll be, I think, right at like 30 a, a shift. So it's pretty great. You know, a couple of years ago, we added our, our medics. So our ambulances are ran by our medics. And, you know, everybody was skeptical at the time that that would work. And we've created a whole new thing in this area that, 
you know, we don't normally have having, you know, medics that came from the private field now working for a fire department and, you know, living and, and training and being beside firefighters has been just kind of amazing. But I think that that's really what goes to speak to the, to the organization is like that it's that willingness to take chances and to try new things and to have a vision for where you're going. I don't know if that answers any of that, but yeah, absolutely. Has that, has that affected <laughs> your neighboring departments? Kind of what you guys have started to put together. I don't know about the medic thing. You know, our whole department's medic top to bottom, I think, except for chief Thompson, you know, I, I, honestly, he's been doing it long enough. He's not a medic, but even our ops chief's a medic. So everybody's a medic. But I don't see any fire departments doing that. I think they're still hiring, you know, a lot of firefighter EMTs or bringing in medics and then making them firefighters. But what I will say is I do believe that just the training that's been going on, you know, whether it's us or whether it's the Fool's Chapter or, you know, whatever through social media, you know, rising tide floats all ships. And I honestly believe we're all kind of getting better, which is is pretty amazing. I've seen some neighboring organizations over the last few years that have just really grown leaps and bounds. And, and they're, you know, we get a, a handful of them out on mutual aid on our fires. And even there, you know, prior, there might be some organizations that showed up half-dressed and that kind of thing. These guys come to the command post with tools in hand ready to work. So, yeah, it has been a nice change. That leads me into one of the big things I want to talk about. You're a battalion chief there. You get out within your own organization. You make a presence, and you also do that across the country. You teach. You have a ladders class you instruct. You go to conferences. So you know what I see is what you see, right? We see the same things. There are not a lot of chiefs out there. It could be by the fire service design, but there's not a lot of chiefs that are either participating in hands-on training or instructing it, right? Most chiefs are speaking and there's a place for that. There certainly is a place for that to spread the good word and spread what works at some departments and, and keep that going. But pretty cool to see a white helmet roving around a training ground doing work. I'm sure you found success in doing that in your own department of creating buy-in and getting others to kind of follow you just by simply putting your gear on, right? Yeah, it's it's an interesting thing. So if you think about a fire department and, you know, the, the line supervision or, or how it's divided up, you know, you have an officer that maybe runs a company, right? He's got four or five, you know, six, seven, whatever many people. And then you have a BC. And then obviously above that, you have, you know, your chief officers at, at administration and whatnot. But it's an interesting thing when we... When we discuss, you know, why is a BC out on the drill ground? Well, let's back it up one. What if the captain wasn't on the drill ground? Would we be upset about that? And so it all boils down to that lowest, newest person, right? That's that's what we're there for. We're all trying to, to train them up and make sure everything's good to go. But if the captain didn't support that, and if I don't support that, then what message are we sending to that newest person? You know, and it's not always about, you know, new person training. Obviously, you've got continued stuff all the time. But, you know, I've done it both ways. You know, I was a a member of an organization that didn't train a whole lot. A lot of the stuff was online through Target Solutions or one of those other things. And, and, you know, in Texas, you only have to have 10 hours of uh, continuing education or, or CEs or whatever it is for the year. I mean, that's 
that's pretty pathetic. 10 hours. I can tell you right now on our training schedule that our guys are probably doing double that in a month, you know, on shift. They're, they're normally getting an hour to two hours worth of, you know, quality training a day. But for me, it's, it's, it is about setting the tone. You know, I, I remember being a captain and being on a call and, uh, you know, and the BC wasn't dressed. So say we're out on a major accident and he's not dressed. Well, my guys would say, well, why, why do I got to wear this? Man, it's hot. He's not in it. And I had to say, well, you know, you don't work for him. You work for me. And we're going to have our gear on. And so I remembered that, you know, and I just never wanted to put my captains in that place. You know, I never wanted to be the guy that, that is, you know, we've got these rules, but then this guy doesn't follow them. And so that's, that's kind of a difficult thing. You know, it's hard for them to lead if the, the person supervising them doesn't adhere to, to the good standards that we've decided we're going to do. So for me, it's, it's like the easiest thing. I mean, you just, you put it on and we start, you know, in the morning, every single morning, my gear goes on and the car rolls out and I do a mask up drill. And then I check all the stuff with the car and all the accountability things that we have in play. You know, I make sure I know who's riding where and, and I'm, I'm housed with an engine company and I can tell you they're doing the same exact thing. And, you know, when I was housed with the squad, they were doing the same thing. And large in part, my guys are, and really the department is kind of adhering to that. And, and you really, if you start with it first thing in the morning while everybody's fresh, it just seems like it sets the tone for the tour. Do you think that, well, two-part question, which place that you've been at has a higher morale? And do you think that that level of morale the increased level of morale is correlated to actually getting in your gear and, and doing firefighter things. So, yeah, I, d- I definitely appreciate where I'm at, you know, and I do think it has a higher level of morale. I think, you know, it's always like what's old saying, like a fire would fix everything right now, you know, and, and why is that? It's because teams require work, right? That's the whole word teamwork. They actually have to go to work. Teams don't sit in a recliner and they don't lay around. I mean, that's, that's just absurd. And so I think as, as a human being, we can all fall into the, the easy road or, or think that, you know, man, I love working for that guy because he's super easy or he doesn't ask me to do this or that. But if you think back to like when you were getting in a job, you weren't thinking to yourself, boy, I hope I skate through the next 30 years. Everybody, for the most part, I would think that is driven to this job, wants to do it and wants to do it at the highest level. I know I did. I mean, I could have done a lot of other things and just skated through life. So, no, I, I think it is associated with morale. I think there's a lot of things that go into morale, but I think that is one part of it. Do you, you think know, and again, that you do business as scalable? I mean, I, I feel like there might be some, and you came from a massive department. And now right. you are at one that's a little bit smaller. And I think that, and I've never held a leadership role before, but it seems like some leaders might say, well, I'm too busy to go out and do that because I have too much other work that, that needs to get done. Or we don't run enough fires. We run more EMS calls. So I want to make sure that we're putting our efforts there. Do you think that the way you do business is scalable to any size department that runs any number of either no fires to a lot of fires. I do. I, I think that, you know, you're talking about influence, right. And, and a little bit of leadership in there. And 
I always say, you know, you have your sphere of influence. If you if you drew a circle, you're inside the circle, right? And that's your sphere. And it's difficult sometimes. So you talk about scalable, you know, could could you do what I'm doing in a Dallas? You know, eh, maybe, you know, maybe one person at a time kind of thing. I don't think you're going to get a whole department to just turn overnight. I mean, it's an aircraft carrier versus a speedboat, right? And so the smaller organizations, I think you can tweak a little faster. But if I go back to like when I was an officer, you know, as a captain, I came up in an organization, like I said, that didn't really didn't really want to go do a whole lot of that. You know, they're, I will say they were really good about training drivers. I don't know what the deal was with that, but it was there was always pump training, always had pump training. You know, I don't know if it's because you didn't have to sweat or that's right. what. It's good next to a pump panel. I do that. Yeah, I, you know, but I will say, you know, if if you were the guy at the panel, I was appreciative of that training. So I, I can't be totally condescending, but I don't think large in part they wanted to get real sweaty, you know, and and and, and so the fires went the way the fires went because you know you hadn't put in that time, you hadn't put in that time with a two and a half or or with some of these other facets that we do, but. Anyways, when I when I made officer, I decided that I wasn't gonna, I just wasn't gonna do it that way. In my first assignment, I had the most senior driver and the most senior fireman in the organization assigned to me on a truck, and it was good. I learned a lot. That was a, an assignment where I don't think I I changed the world. I think that I kind of learned a little bit deeper, you know, about this business that we do. And then my next assignment, we had taken a, on a new chief. And he decided that the organization needed a 52-card pickup. And so he spread everybody all over the place. And I went to an engine company. And I'm pretty sure they had asked everybody where they wanted to work. And they tried to give you one or two picks. They didn't ask the captains, but everybody else kind of got their pick. I'm pretty sure the entire company did not ask to work for me, you know. I had, I had kind of garnered that reputation of, of, of that, you know. One of those guys. Yeah, un- unfortunately, you know, you wear it either which way, you sure. know, it, it just it's just part of it, you know. But anyways, I told the guys day one, I said, listen, I'm I'm pretty sure none of you guys put in for working here. And I understand that. And, I, you know, I'm sorry about that. But I just ask that you give me a chance. And then I, I shared with them my philosophy. And I said, if, I'll be honest, if you don't want to go into harm's way, I don't suggest you work here. I suggest you follow a letter with me and we'll get you moved. We'll, I'll w- work with the BC. We'll try to figure it out. But you know, I, I don't say that cavalier. I mean, I, I planned on training those guys. And so we we did. We started going out and doing things that they had never done. And they were, I think, large in part appreciative for it. But you got to understand when you do that, you're putting a target on your back. There's just no way around it. Why are you putting uh, a target on your back? Or what What do you mean by that? Because in that in that organization, that wasn't that wasn't a normal thing. Right. Companies weren't out stretching lines and doing that. Right. So, so the minute the that other I, other people were just feeling insecure that they were being outshined by you and your crew. So they, you know, is is that kind of the vibe you were well, feeling? Well, sure. Isn't that like human nature? Right. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of that's that's like part of it. But I think that's the you know, if if it now at, at my position now, when I go around or I teach or I share with people. You're going to figure that out for yourself, but I always try to share that now because I wish somebody had shared it with me because at the time when you're deep in it and you're in the trenches, you're like, good grief, what's going on, man? I feel like I'm doing all the right things and I can't catch a break. So I think it's important 
you know, to tell the new guys coming up, new guys and, and gals, you know, hey, listen, like if you're going to do this within an organization that ain't doing it, it it's going to be tough. You know, I remember the first time that we made a, uh, a fire call. I think it was a structure fire response. And, you know, we had all our gear on and we were ready to go. And I got there, you know, engine two's on, whatever, one story, blah, 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 you know. And I, I leaned back to my fireman and I said, hey, go ahead and get a line to the front door. He, he said, what? And I said, get a line to the front door. And I jumped off the rig. And I just, you know, I just started doing my 360. And he asked the driver, what does he mean? He goes, I think I get a line to the front door. And uh, <laughs> so, so he did. He stretched the line. He was, he was a newer guy. And again, it just wasn't, it wasn't one of those things that was done on investigations, right? But you have to challenge it. And you, you got to, you know, what if it was on fire? What if we had an attic fire? Nothing was showing. I mean, we're ahead of the curve. So anyways, he stretches the line. I do the 360 and ends up being, you know, nothing. I don't remember what, what it was. But I remember the look on all the other faces of the rigs driving by. Like what are they like doing? As they were as they were clearing up, Did they right? Drop and they a just... handline off the rig when they turned in yeah. here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So why why did they? And then I even got a call from the BC later, like, hey man, why'd you put a line on the ground? And I said, Chief, when was the last time we dropped a line? Like, I'm just trying to be good at this thing. Like, is it did it jam us up or am I doing something I shouldn't have done? And he's like, Well, you know, I, I guess not. But what I found was two things. One, once we started doing that, the teamwork that went into putting the line back on the rig and talking about the stretch, like he, he botched that stretch and he, he figured it out in that moment. Like, man, I wasn't ready and I wasn't prepared. I think a, a shrub in the front yard got him or something. And it was a big mess. So we went back to the drawing board. And then two, if we kept doing it over and over and over again, eventually you'll be surprised. Those other companies, I think we made it like couple of months and there was a there was a fire that didn't have anything showing but they put a line on the ground and i was really proud for them they ended up getting knocked out with one hand line you know maybe a small bathroom fire or something like that but it was because somebody dared do it right that has to be it somebody's finally got to go first and so you know it does take a lot of courage to do that and and when we if we went back to that sphere of influence leadership takes place right outside that line. It doesn't take place inside that sphere because that's what's been given to you. That's what's expected of you. True leadership is you're just over the line, you know? And I think you're kind of pushing those boundaries. What do you see as like the biggest challenge for your peers, you know, in that white shirt level? It seems like what you guys are doing at the colony is so rare and unfortunately is so rare in our job. Where do you see your your peers kind of falling short? When you mean peers, I mean, we're talking fire service peers, because I can tell you my peers in the colony, my, my colleagues no. are not falling short. No, no, no. no. So <laughs> what I'm saying is the chief level around the country seems to be falling short of, you know, like they're implementing more online trainings. They're, right. they're, they're putting yeah. emphasis on things that... I don't want to say aren't important because they are important, you know, right. But not nearly as important as, as what, what you and, and your brothers and sisters are doing down in Texas. So you've been in the fire service a long time. When did you think that change happened? Or do you always think that there has been this upper level management that has just kind of been putting an emphasis on different things than you are? I guess would be a better way to ask that. Yeah, I think large in part, the fire service is, is built on this notion in a lot of leadership circles of what are they doing over there, right? 
they're looking across the fence line, like what are the Joneses doing, right? And that's that industry standard. And so somebody decides some goofy thing like uh, community paramedics, like, okay, so let's dream up that idea, right? And then you have to ask, well, why are we doing it? Well, they're doing it over there, you know, and it's really reducing their numbers. Well, you start to look at the numbers for that, it's a hospital-driven initiative. It's to keep patients out of the hospital, right, based on Medicare billing. So it has zero bearing on us. And then you take maybe a population within your city of, let's say, 5%, the frequent flyers. And then you take a whole staff and apply that to it. And you just sit back and scratch your head and go, why the heck are we doing this? I just, I feel like a lot of people don't have, I think the issue is the vision, right? They don't have a vision. So they're, what we're doing is we're doing a carbon copy of whatever they were doing. You know, oh, I hear that department's doing X, Y, Z. So let's, let's go ahead and do that. And I think the other faction of this, and, I, and I'm learning it a little more and more now, not within my own organization, but I'm in school right now. I'm at, um, at A&M in San Antonio online working on a bachelor's. And so I have a lot of other chief officers within the classes and a lot of discussions take place. And I think a lot of them forget at the end of the day, like we're a fire department, you know? You hit the nail on the head right there is there are a lot of things out there that we could be doing, right? Because we are looking at everybody else and we're looking at the fire service and we, and we, we think, I think that a lot of departments and a lot of chiefs think that if they're not creating something or they're not changing something or they're not keeping up with, say, everybody else, they're failing. I go back to a simple thing that your chief did, Chief Thompson did, is, and, and I'm sure it involved the whole organization, but the colony went to their citizens and asked their citizens, what do you guys want? What do you expect out of us? I think that is the greatest thing you could do, right? They're the customer. They want the fire department to be studs when they show up on the scene, right? They want... Right us to show up on their worst day and get it done. And I think the best way to do that is focus on the original mission, which, you know, hasn't really changed much over the last century. I mean, it's, it's really the same mission. We start adding a lot of things to this mission based on what some other people are doing that really doesn't affect our bottom line. And then we dilute our true service, you know, because by doing so many things, we become spread what mile wide but we're only an inch deep we can get that bad to where what we're truly there to do we're not as good as we could be because we're doing so many other extra things that is not really what the public wants it, it isn't and i think large in part the issue and that was the second part is that the city government or the city manager or the fire chief or whatever they're not secure right it, it is, it goes back to that, like that human tendency, you know, thinking that you're enough, right? Feeling like you're enough. Like I don't have to, to put on a mask or be something else. Like there's kind of a life lesson in all of this. You know, the fire department has a mission and it's a very noble mission. And so it doesn't have to be something else. It doesn't have to put on a mask or, or masquerade around as, as some other thing. And I think that's the marriage at the colony which is we have a city manager, Troy, 
who's an awesome dude. I mean, the guy is normally in a Metallica shirt and, you know, walled up in his office, you know, listening to, to metal and, and, and he's just a different guy. He kind of gets it, you know? And so he expects his fire department to be really, really good at the things that the citizens want us to do, but they don't want us to do community health paramedicine. They don't really care all that much about ISO. There's some of those things that we just get wrapped up in so, so much that I, I think people think are important. And maybe they're important, I guess, if you're building a career. And so that's the, you know, you got to, you know, here's the deal. I mean, somebody that's moving on or up in the fire service and they want that, I mean, I, I can't really beat them up over it. I mean, I get it. The problem is, is like, let's say my organization, you know, I've got just under 100 people that aren't there to build a resume. They're there to do a job. And so if your focus, if you lose focus of those, those folks and your focus becomes solely your boss or the council or whatever accolades or awards we think we're going to get, you're off kilter. I mean, you're, you're just not, it's, you don't have your true north. You know, Andy Fredericks talks about the, the garbage man, right? And not being surprised when you wrap the corner and the, like, the trash is lined up. But like, let's use that as an example. Do we need our trash to be ISO one? The trash people, do they, you know, need to also look at, you know, how can we prevent trash and how do we, you know, I mean, yeah, there's, I mean, there's just all these other things that they can get involved in. Or is it like, dude, the stuff I put out at the curb, I need taken up today. That's what I need. That's it. That's, I don't need any more. I don't need you to help my kid with his math. You know, I don't need any of these other things. Like you have a task and a job, well, right? I, I and think I think ours is the same thing. Yeah, it's, that goes back to that performance reflex leadership. If you're a fire chief who is just trying to build your resume, don't be surprised if your fire department becomes a farm team for other departments. Yeah, I think that's a great point. You know, the interesting thing with the fire services, we utilize you know, examples and analogies all the time. And one of the ones that I won't say it's played out, it's just, it, it cracks me up. You know, people will use the Navy SEAL example against us or against whatever it is or how they train or whatever it is they do. But they're not asking them to do like 10 million other things. Like those, those dudes are pretty surgical. You know what I mean? As far as what they do. And so it's interesting that if we're going to model ourselves after that, and you want to use that example, then let's do it. But man, they're pretty specialized in what they do. And they're really good at it. They're probably not doing your taxes, you know? And so I think large in part, we just have to stay focused on what we're supposed to do and be really, really good at it, you know? I want to go back to something you said about your morning checks. Like when you start your shift out as a BC, you do a massive mm -hmm. drill. I love that as a captain in my organization, when I act BC, you know, I make sure everything's in order, what I do have there, right? I mean, I have limited tools. I'm not a fire truck by any means, right? It's the fire SUV going down the road. Right. But I've got gear and i got a pack on, and I can get to calls pretty dang quick, especially if a fire drops and I'm already out driving around. I see a real gap at the higher levels in response that when, you know, there's a big call where you can make a difference, sometimes the mindset is, well, I'll just get there and kind of wait for the, the actual trucks to show up. And my, I guess you could call it a fear, but it's something that keeps me prepared when I'm in that position is, hey, I'm most likely going to be the first on scene. And if they tell me 
that there's somebody trapped inside, I'm not going to wait three or four more minutes to do something. Like, I can't. I have to at least try to, you know, do as much as I can, go on air. It doesn't matter if I'm the chief or not. A firefighter has showed up in something red and with the siren on top and lights on top of the car, and they're expecting you to do something, not stand out on the front lawn and, you know, communicate on the radio when a rig gets there. I wonder yeah, how I, many chiefs across think, the country that are responding to actual fire calls are masking up every morning and actually checking their rig for fire equipment. Uh, I would say large in part, probably not a whole lot. And I think that, you know, you're going to do whatever is normal in your organization, right? We just, that's what we've always done, right? And so if they're not doing sure. it, it, it is. So if, if, you know, I can't fault those people coming up underneath them, but I also won't say they've really thought things through or that they have the most amount of courage. You know, you, there will be times that I beat everybody out. And I've thought about those, you know, and, and so I have to be able to, you know, don my, my gear as quick as I can. I obviously can't drive in an air pack, but, you know, my gear, it hangs on the car. You know, my boots are by the side of the back door and my, my coat hangs and my hood's there and everything's ready to go because there is going to be a day that I beat everybody out, you know, and you have to act because here's the, here's the, the dilemma. I don't, let's say I just want to, it's a 106 degree day. I'm in a command from the comfort of the front of my fire SUV with the AC on. And there's a, a little girl trapped. You know who's going to make the grab? Our police department, because they don't mind doing it either. Right. And so I think people, I think we've been trained into a lot of like, well, I can't do that if, unless I have a team member or unless I'm hooked to a hose line or, or any of these things, man, all of that goes out the window when, when we've got folks that are, expecting to be rescued we told them that we we're coming we told them to shut their doors and do those things so yeah i think anybody's showing up whatever gear they give you i mean trained to that level you know there's some some chiefs around the, the nation that probably don't have air packs in their car okay you know maybe maybe challenge out a little bit or you know ask for that or you know you know what are you going to do if you don't have an air pack you know i mean i guess you go you do what you can but even without an air pack on a on a 360 on the back door i have a set of irons that i take with me you know and i can force a back door and i can check and sweep and and do those kind of things but i guess it's it's all it's all regional it's all whatever your department does and i'm not saying what i do is right i mean it just it works for us see that one social media post that one of your engines has where it says we will come for you on the back. I mean, that is, that's awesome. It fires right. me up just seeing it because if I'm a citizen and driving behind that, that makes me feel like these guys have my best interest. Like they are, they're paid, they're paid professionals and they're earning it. So I, that's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. It, we were on the blue floor at uh, Pierce getting our, our, those two engines and, uh, there was a team of us there and we were discussing it and discussing the mud flap. And, you know, we kind of liked that look and, you know, chief was asking, you know, what would you put on there? And the group, you know, said, Hey, you know, how about we will come for you. And, you know, the cool, that's the coolest part is that he just said, yeah, let's do it. And I think a lot of chiefs, you know, no is so easy, right? I mean, you just say no and it's done. Like that's it. Yes. Requires a lot of work. And as chief officers, I think we should have a lot more yeses than nos, even if that requires work. You really should be pretty limited on your nos, you know. I've got right now, I got 
three new officers. They're less than, you know, two years in, in position. Um, and they're all kind of, I think we got one at six months and one at a year and one at almost two years. And then, and then my other captain has got 20 plus years on the job. But those guys are, you know, just newly promoted. So out of our battalion, we've got a, not a lot of time in seat. But, man, how miserable would it be if I just said no to those guys? So, uh, you know, I've told them up front, and, and this takes time. You don't, you're not going to say this, and then they just start doing it. But I've, I've really tried to empower them from day one and be like, listen, man, you know, we give you a fire truck. I've given you a, a team. I've given you a firehouse to run. Heck, we give you narcotics to manage, you know, there's a lot of responsibility. So if you have something that you can fix today, right? If Mrs. Smith calls and, and they want X, Y, Z, do it, just do it, do all of it, right? And then call me later and let me know the, the, the play by play. Like, hey, this is what happened today. Hey, we found this lady, you know, and I'll give you an example. The other day, one of my companies, some, some gal showed up and she was having car trouble. You know, and the guys spent like two hours wrenching on this car and limping it over to the service station. And then, you know, they advocated for her at the service station. The service station said, hey, you know, we'll we'll throw in all this stuff and do it for free. And then one of the guys noticed she needed tires. And, you know, so they started talking about that. They were going to put their money together and buy her a set of tires or whatever. And and they called over and to find out what the price was. And the people there found out they were at the fire department and, and said, you know, don't worry about it. It's covered. And so... These guys advocated for this woman. I didn't hear about it, you know, until like the next week. I mean, that's awesome that they felt empowered to do that, you know, and didn't feel like we'd get in trouble for doing this or, you know, loading somebody up on a hot day and that's walking, you know, and, and running them wherever they needed to go or, you know, the smallest of tasks. And so that's a great example of everybody in that situation could have said no at some point because it was super easy. Yep from the officer to the crew who was wrenching on it to the tire shop to the service station, everybody said yes. And it wasn't like yeah. it made their day easier. But guess what? It it makes it a lot more fulfilling. Sure. And those guys will remember that, you know, and we're trying to set up, I'm trying to set up an environment where, you know, the guy that answers the door can have final say. He can just go back and tell a cap, hey, cap, we need to load up and go do X, Y, Z. Someone just showed up. And the cap's like, okay, cool, right? Not like, well, wait a minute. You didn't come and ask me and, and do all of those things. Like, people don't need levels of bureaucracy. We should be giving the decision-making to the lowest within our organization, the people that are going to make those contacts. In, in the same sense, we do that on the fire ground large in part. You know, we allow our, our firemen to think, you know, they're obviously always going to be with an officer, but... You know, if they see something, they, they can say something. And it is a team out there. And I think we trust those guys to make, guys and gals on, on both accounts, to make, you know, really good decisions. But it, it just doesn't come willy-nilly. I mean, you kind of have to put in the, the legwork and train them and kind of know where they're at to gauge what kind of decisions they're making. I'm glad you got to the yes versus no. Because, I mean, I, yeah, we've talked about it many times on different podcasts or just in conversations around the table. Like uh, I was out of training four or five years ago and I had a chief training chief that said yes to everything. And it sometimes yeah. made his life a lot harder, but man, we got a lot done and we were, our morale was high. We were volunteering a lot of, we were sacrificing a lot to put the actual cadre and the organization ahead of ourselves because of 
a lot of the conscious decisions he made to say yes. And so I've always taken that into my leadership. It's like anytime I can say yes, I'm saying yes. I think it has one of the biggest impacts on, you know, people you work with hands down. Yeah. You, and you got to figure it out. Like it can't just be, it can't just be your things and your passions and you say yes to what you think is important. It has to be to what they think is important, right? Or what they're passionate about. And, and so I do training for the organization and, you know, I try to say yes to when, when guys come to me and go, Hey, can I go to this conference? Yes. You know, I can't always give you the time, but I can normally pay for the conference. I can try to get you there. I had another member early on come in at my office and, and said, hey, you know, I'm really passionate about my faith and I think I'd like to serve in some capacity. I said, well, we don't have a chaplain. So look into that and get me whatever intel you can on what does that certification look like or what does that training look like? He's, a, he's now our chaplain. Or somebody that said, hey, you know, I want to serve on a PTSD team or, or peer support it's just yes. I mean, find out what they're excited about. You know, if, if somebody on your team's excited about the bagpipes, help support them. If they're excited about training or if you got a clown program or whatever, I mean, that's, it's not my jam. It doesn't have to be my jam to make the organization great, right? It just needs to be their jam and, and something that they're excited about. I think I'm going to recommend Craig for the clown program here. So that'll work. <laughs> I could facilitate that all day long for him. So <laughs> yeah, well, I, I know. And it's, again, it's not my thing, but it's somebody's no, thing and it's making a difference yep. somewhere and you got to give credit to it. You know, it's well, thanks again for coming on. We appreciate it. A lot of great stuff. I mean, I, I always love to see a white shirt working, you know, or a white helmet. You can see that. And then you immediately see that everybody surrounding that person has already bought in so you're doing it the right way the colony's doing it the right way i think that's well established already in the fire service so again thanks for coming on we enjoyed having you thanks tom appreciate it <laughs>